0: Hi, welcome to Mimi. I'm Mel. I created Mimi as a safe space for creativity, a place for creatives to come together, get inspired and find help through accessible coaching, free resources and fun workshops and masterclasses on everything from branding, surface design, illustration and more. The Mimi podcast is basically a really good excuse for me to chat with amazing people, from illustrators and designers to photographers, makers and more. In today's episode, I have a conversation with Tabara Ndiaye, the creative mind behind La Basketry. Tabara founded a small business back in 2017, inspired by the skills and stories of a female artisans in a small village outside her parents' hometown in Senegal. In our chat, we explored a journey from growing up in Paris to moving to the UK and building a life in London. Tabara shared the beautiful story behind our basketry, alongside the joys and the struggles of growing a small business. We also talked about a love for writing, a latest pop-up in London and what her dreams and goals for the coming month and years are. It was really exciting hearing Tabara's story. I hope you'll find yourself really inspired too. Enjoy! How
1: are you? You hear me? Yes. So nice. I mean, cool that, uh, we're not going to do it. We're not going to speak in French. No, we're not.
0: Funny. I'm really excited to be talking to you.
1: I know. I'm really excited to talk to you too. I feel like I'm in a bit of a cave because... So I'm in Denmark. Yes. And, and um, there's been thunderstorms all morning and it's pouring down right now. So I had a really nice setup for this. Um, podcast and then suddenly I had to kind of readjust everything because it's pissing down outside and you can hear the rain on the windows I was just like okay where can I record this Um, (laughs) so I'm in my in-law's bedroom um, hiding away from you know the rain um, the kid the husband the everything outside yeah
0: we're going to talk about your work obviously because this podcast is about art and design and craft and color and joy. But I always like to talk about people's childhoods and how they were kids, because it really intrigues me. And I love hearing about, you know, the kind of stuff you were doing as a kid, because I think it informs who you are a lot. So you were born and raised in Paris, but both your parents are from Senegal.
1: Yes, so um, as you said, I I was born and raised in uh, Paris. Both of my parents are from Senegal um, and to be a bit more precise, um, a region called Thies, which is really well known in Senegal for all its craftsmanship. So, um, you know, you had a lot, you have a lot of wood carving. um, um, Back in the day, there was a huge tapestry factory there and um, one of the main things Um, TS is known for is baskets which I'm sure well not sure but I know we will discuss this a bit more um, later so I would say I grew up in a house where we were always um, appreciating handmade things my brother my sister and I we would spend our summers um, back in Senegal and um, I think from a very young age going to local markets we would always you know see and admire a lot of things that are handmade Um, and I just remember at the end of every summer we would we were allowed to bring in um, a few things for our rooms or for you know our our school friends etc so you know anything from like those Needed kind of like friendship bracelets or as you as you get older you know stuff that you can type out artwork things um, you can put on the walls so yeah so I I would say like um, handmade and craftsmanship is something that we were always very aware of. I was quite crafty Um I learned how to sew when I was quite young. Uh, my mother taught me how to knit and um, crochet as well um, when I was, you know, when I was little. The thing I loved the most though was really reading. I was a huge reader. I just, I would spend a lot of my spare time at the, la bibliothèque, as we say in French, uh, the library, um, just constantly borrowing books and reading and actually writing. I was writing a lot um, of things and um you know journals and notes and, and things and so yes that's a bit about my uh, my childhood I would say.
0: What did you like reading? Was it fiction or was it nonfiction? Do you remember what fiction. you really loved? Yeah fiction.
1: Fiction. Yeah I loved fiction. I actually love to write my own short stories. Um and um yeah I think it was just the you know being able to escape um in a book um to me was just like the you know the most the most amazing thing ever and I also remember you know when we would plan our um summer holidays you know like summer holidays are eight weeks and you know you're going you know we would go to Senegal for four weeks and i always be like oh I can only bring four books um and, you know, going to the library and browsing and, and realising that I pretty much read everything. <laughs> um, but there was always one that I would read over and over again. Yeah, I loved reading. And it, it's been something I've been trying to get back into, actually, in the, in the past few years.
0: Yeah, because you've got a little baby as well. And I feel like I know having my daughter, River, it was hard at the beginning to find time to read.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's something I completely lost as I as I grew up. I I did the audiobook things. I I became quite lazy at just reading. You know, the whole the whole process of picking up a book. But I've been trying to carve time for this, and it's been quite enjoyable. It's like I feel like it's like riding a bike. You know, you just it's something you never you know you never really forget, and you have to get good good recommendations because I have read a couple of like not so good books and you're just like, oh, what do I do here? What do I do? Uh, but actually when you find the right ones, it's just a joy really.
0: Yeah. So wait, what do you do when you don't like a book? Like imagine someone's recommended something, you start reading it and you don't like it. Will you finish it no matter what? Or do you just give up? I won't finish it. Yeah, same. Um, Some people I... like like to finish them. I'm like, I can't, I just don't no. want to read it.
1: Yeah. No, I think if, if my head and my heart and it is not into it um i won't read it Um i can't remember what book i read recently and i think it took me to 100 pages to actually really get into it and it was a recommendation from a friend and i read the first few chapters and i was just like this is not for me this is very slow there's no plot um And, um, and I was just like, no, no. And, um, and I messaged her and I was just like, I'm really struggling. And she was just like, honestly, power through and she was right. Yeah. Um, and kind of reminds me of high school. Well, the equivalent of high school in France, I did literature, French literature was my major. I think that's the best way you would translate it. We used to have like the 700 pages, books that were just so dull, <laughs> you know, um, just description, and pages of pages of a room, and you know, all these iconic French authors, <laughs> um, that was, that was a tough one, that was a tough one for the as well, so actually, Voltaire. yeah, Voltaire Voltaire, in particular. yeah, yes. yeah. Well, that
0: was boring, but also, yes. I feel like there's a lot of things we learn at school that or brains are just not ready for. I feel like, you know, when you're a teenager, you're thinking about so many other things than reading French literature. You're just not ready for it. I don't think we're mature enough for any of the books 100%. they try to make us read, you know?
1: Yes. Um, it's really funny. I was, um, cause I was just back in France a couple of weeks ago and, um, you know, it's end of year exams and all of that. And they were talking about um, philosophy and I used to have seven hours a week of philosophy when I was in high school, and it was blocks of four hours. So it was, I think it was four hours and then three hours another day of the week. That was just the toughest thing to get through, to sit through a philosophy class, you know, that long. But looking back, you know, the, the questions you were asked, I mean, I would have so much to say about it now, but at 16, 17, I mean, you don't have I mean,
0: that maturity. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're right. I mean, I remember as well. Like, I had. You remember the, A levels. Uh, you had philosophy to do, and you would have had because you did literature. But even like I did the like economic the middle, so I didn't do the scientific yeah. or the literature. I did the middle yeah. one, and um, I remember for philosophy at the A levels having to write about beauty. And the thing is, I'm the type of person even if I don't know something, I will I will come up with something. And I remember like mm. writing about. What beauty was but I thought it was really funny because it's good I think it's good for our brains when we're younger to you know think about those things but like you said we just did not really have any life experience to talk about exactly. anything
1: yeah yeah I remember there was one about we were given a quote I don't know the exact quote because obviously that was a long time ago but it was something about there's no present without the past or something you know something along those lines and at that time I was just like I don't know like you know you had to like it was just that quote and you had to write an essay of I don't know how many words and I was just like this is really tough whereas now I feel like with all the life experience I have or you know the traveling the maturity you, you know etc et there would be so much more I could I could write about it So yeah, those days.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you that I find really interesting. You were saying that your mom taught you to do a lot of craft, like sewing and knitting and all these things. But then you loved reading and doing other things. I wonder if you, because now you're back to doing a lot of these things that your mom taught you. And for me, coming from a family of designers and having been taught a lot of design stuff when I was a kid, there was a period as a teen where I kind of rebelled against it and didn't want to do it I was like I'm gonna be a travel photographer and not do design leave me alone you know and I wonder if you had that as well where you kind of rejected it a bit and then you're like no actually I need to embrace this because this is who I am and I love it yeah
1: hundred percent I think definitely happened when I was a a teenager you know you just have other interests you just you know go out with your friends and life and growing up um, and um, I didn't really fully appreciate the positives of crafting and, you know, having a, a hobby really. You know, your hobby was kind of meeting up with your friends and doing this and that. So yeah, so it's been really interesting to go back to this in a way. And I remember actually from 2020, I was having that conversation with a lot of people. Uh, when you know everybody was at home and when I started doing you know the DIY kits and the um, Zoom classes because early on I was I was doing them free and people because we were talking um, to each other um, people always used to say to me yeah I used to be quite crafty when I was young and then it's just something that I left behind so it's really nice actually to reconnect with that part of myself. Um, And it was something I could totally um, relate to. There was also something quite interesting with, you know, my Senegalese roots and growing up spending my summer there. There was a point where I was a teenager and I was just like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to spend three weeks or four weeks of my summer holidays there when I can go and do this with my friends and things. So there was a bit of a disconnect for me for a few years when I was a teenager and um, in my early 20s. And then I reconnected with that part of me and my heritage. And that's kind of what started the whole um, La Basketry journey.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you created La Basketry in 2017, right? Yes. So I was curious to hear what you did before that, because that's when... Yeah you had been in london cuz now you live in london you had been in london for a few years as well so i want to yeah. i want to know what happened from you know you growing up and then what you did before creating la basketry yeah
1: i um after university i did a degree in marketing and communications i was actually planning to um to a journalism school but um, I felt like my English was not up to scratch and I really wanted to uh, I really wanted to be fluid so I decided to take a year before applying to any schools and um, got an internship in London um, for a little events agency for six months and I was just like this is perfect I'm gonna go to London for six months. I'm going to, you know, improve my English and I'm going to work in an exciting industry and I never left. <laughs> um after 6 months they offered me a full-time job. I was 21. I was really happy in London. Um you know, a city that I always loved and really excited me and suited my personality. I was offered, a, you know, a job which is something that doesn't really happen after, you know, you first graduate especially because at the time I thought my um, degree was quite generic. And um, yeah, so I ended up working in the events industry for over 10 years, working on a wide variety of, of events. I worked on trade shows, I worked on festivals, smaller scale events, but it was something that really excited me. I loved working on a project and seeing coming alive in front of you know in front of my eyes it was really really exciting and I I learned a lot over those 10 years and I also made some amazing contacts uh, which was really useful when I kind of decided to pivot and take a step back from that professional career that I built.
0: That's amazing that you got a job they must have uh, loved you.
1: Yeah it was it was incredible and it was just one of those opportunities where I was just like
0: of yeah, course just, I'm staying in yeah. London
1: mm. I'm you know this is the best city in the world and I have a job and I'm 21 and <laughs> what more do you want yeah um, it was a lot of work and um I'm I'm still very good friends with my um with my boss Vanessa uh at the time who hired me and we were we were talking about that um I met up with her in the spring, and we were talking about that. And I and I was saying to her, it was so scary to start working. I was working and uh, talking in English, and it was just so nerve wracking. And I always remember we had a an, an event coming up, and she gave me a a database of I don't know three hundred people, and I had to call them all. It was cool call calling, and I was inviting those people and. You're speaking to people all over the UK. You have to deal with all the accents. You're not confident, you know, over the phone. You're not confident in yourself. And it was really, really tough. But I feel like during those years, I learned so much. And um, I mean, I'm a pro on the phone now.
0: (laughs) must be, Um, yeah. Yeah,
1: but it was tough, but super gratifying to um, build a professional career when some of the people i was you know I went to university with were still doing degree after degree and dealing with internships and and, and things so yeah
0: that's amazing, so what led you to create La labesquetry then
1: I think after ten years i was a i was a, at a bit of a turning point i um I kind of had ticked off all the amazing events and projects I've always wanted to do. And I wasn't really fulfilled in what I was doing. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of traveling. It was a lot of networking. And um, I just felt really disconnected from all of that. And at that time, I ended up planning quite a big trip to Senegal with my mum and my sister. I hadn't been back for five or six years, I wanna say. So it was quite a long time. And in between two big events I had been working on, um, we did that trip and it was amazing. I felt really it's hard to explain. I felt really um I felt really at peace there. I felt like I was really refining myself and it was amazing. It was an amazing trip and there were so many things, you know. I mean, obviously beyond seeing family and, and and all of that it was everything i felt very inspired while i was there long story short my sister and i were actually buying some baskets to take back to um to our homes Um she's in paris and i was in london i'm in london so we were just shopping at, at one of the local markets and we were a bit underwhelmed with what they had on offer. The lady was running the stall Um, Hadi said, well, why don't you come back tomorrow and I'll take you somewhere else where you can see other baskets. So we came back the following day and she actually took us to the village where, um, you know, those baskets I kind of seen in my entire life were being made. And we ended up spending the whole day there because Senegalese hospitality, you don't walk somewhere and just leave. We got there and they offered us tea and then it was lunch and then it was this. And, and all these women were gathered in a courtyard and they were weaving baskets and laughing. and it felt really special to be part of, to be part of this, to be invited to this. We left and that was the highlight of our trip. And it was just something that we just couldn't get out of our heads as we, as we got back. We stayed in touch with Adi, who has kind of now become my main weaver. And that's kind of how La Basketry was born. Talking to her, realised that they were making all these beautiful baskets, that one of them would go to a market selling them but obviously the demand there is completely different if you buy a bread basket it's going to last you a really long time at that time I'd started to see how the interiors were the interior trends were shifting here and you know how there were a lot more of these brands popping up that were working with artisans in different countries and yeah so that's kind of how it all started um I was just like why don't we try and do a little collection and started with six bowls for the table that I kind of designed with my sister and and they sold extremely well um and three of them were sold at the v and yeah and that's kind of how you know my basketry was born yeah I haven't shared that story in a long time it feels very uh very special
0: sounds amazing yeah. and I think it is there was probably such a, like you mentioned, you had a disconnect in your job in London, traveling around, being like very, it's like such a different lifestyle. And it probably made you realize, well, maybe I've been missing that part of just crafting and being together and community. And I think that's my other question for you, which is, obviously, you work with these women, you're highlighting the craft. And I think I read something about you being also a bit, I don't know, I don't want to say annoyed, but you sew probably on the high street, a lot of baskets of weaved projects that had patterns that were like you know they weren't celebrating like you wanted to really celebrate like Senegalese craft as well and like maybe patterns and I guess I don't know much about it obviously I know I love your basket and I love everything but I wouldn't recognize where you know it's nice that you're basically uplifting these women as well and their crafts and let's chat a little bit about this and how it made you feel to do it
1: yeah I think to me that this is really important and as you said it's a market that has become very saturated every Street brand has baskets of some sorts and it's, you know, basket weaving is one of the oldest crafts in the world. Um, A lot of people don't know that. It has roots in sewing, in pottery, and the techniques have actually traveled with population. So have people have migrated, the same techniques have been used um, all around the world, but obviously people use different materials. They use what they have available. So it's always really interesting for me to look into that as well and and see that obviously slaves. African slaves going to the south of the U.S. And, and South America as well. When I look at baskets, you know, I can see where it's coming from. And you just notice that the materials are different. I think one of the things that's really important to me is being transparent about where things are made, how they're made. And it was something I wanted to really emphasize on when I started. And, um, you know, people question your prices. This is a form of, of art. It takes days to make laundry baskets and when I started running my own workshops and people were asking me well what can I do in two hours and I was just like well you'll probably make a little basket for a cactus and um, so imagine how much time and how much effort has gone into building that laundry baskets you have in your home. I really wanted to be transparent um, about the process and I seen some of the techniques and materials from Senegal being imported and used other places but I really wanted to as well educate people on their roots and where it's from.
0: I mean there's the craft and the making and then the transporting. I feel like people are just used to paying such cheap prices for things that are like mass products that they just don't realize what comes into it. I think it's changed though. I think we're saying that but like in the past few years maybe I feel like it's slightly changing
1: yeah and i think what's interesting as well with basket weaving is that right now i don't know what will happen in 10 years or you know it cannot be replicated with a machine a basket has to be done with two hands there's a lot of rope baskets in the market now those are done with sewing machines but you know original basket it has to be woven with two hands and uh, a needle and etc so I don't know, maybe we'll have robots in the future that can beat things up. But yeah, I think it's really important to remind people that this is a handmade
0: thing. So you launched in 2017 and you were successful straight away. Was it a couple of years ago that you wrote your first book, Baskets? But mm-hmm. what's really amazing, it's been translated in loads of languages, which I find really fun. It's probably really fun for you to, to see random editions of, you know, you wrote it probably. Did you write it in French or in English? English. In English, yeah. So yeah. how was that? What what was that experience like and how, how did it feel to be asked to, to write a book?
1: Yeah, I think was La Basketry successful from the get go? Yes, to an extent. But I think the brand went through a lot of up and downs after that. I think the fa- the thing that really helped was there was really a brand story without what I was building and a personal story. And I think A lot of people related to that and I think that really helped me when I when I started the brand because you know I have all these roots obviously like my Senegalese roots and direct relationship with the women I work with so I think that really helped me um as I started and as I was spending more time there the way my brain functioned and my crafty mind there were some things I wanted to do but I just didn't know if it was feasible and um, so I kind of started to learn how to weave baskets and I think I developed my own style using different materials some stuff that I like etc etc so then the book came along and I think what was quite interesting with the book was that there are a lot of books out there on um, who are a bit more traditional um, on basket weaving and um, in the UK, willow basket weaving, you know, uh, there's a huge harvesting season in Somerset where people go and get their willow and, and things. And the way I approached it was, I uh, yes, I wanted to celebrate those beautiful techniques from Africa that have traveled around the world and etc but I also wanted to show that basket weaving can be fun and playful and how you add color and the variety of materials that are available once you kind of master a technique like you can just adapt it, make your own creations. So I think that's probably why the book resonated with a lot of different markets. And luckily, you know, it's been translated into a, a few languages. And uh, it's really great because it's really allowed me to connect with people
0: everywhere. What do you like the most about weaving now? Do you get to do it still quite a bit? I, no. No? Um,
1: <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. I feel like my, my life has changed a lot in the last... 12 months since becoming a mum. Mm. And I haven't had enough time to do it. I've done a few things, run a few workshops, um, but I haven't had time to really, I feel like at the minute when I've been doing it, there's a purpose behind it. It's for work. And I really miss that kind of free um, creative space that you can have when you have a bit more time. But I'm working on a couple of things this summer that are going to allow me to have a bit more free creative space, which I'm really excited about. And yes, but I love the meditative aspect of it. I love starting a project and getting completely lost into it and fully embracing it. And sometimes with me, it's not necessarily about the finished product. It's more about the process, really enjoying the process. Something else will come up while I do it. And I really love that. I really miss not having had time to do a a bit of that
0: it's definitely about the process because it takes so long if you're not enjoying the process then there's no point almost you gotta enjoy that bit yeah yeah so I know that was a question a little bit further down the line but let's talk about it now because like you mentioned you're a new mum and I mean how old is your daughter
1: she turned one a week ago wow
0: well I know how you feel about not having as much time to just freely explore like you said even when you mentioned getting lost into something I felt like when you're a parent you can't really get lost into anything you need to be on all the time and is that how has it been going have you found a balance because I know I think I read online that you I was probably on Instagram you shared some things recently that you you are having to take care of her full-time like you know you don't necessarily have childcare in London and and your family is probably in France so yeah must be really hard how are you holding on
1: yes I'm doing good I mean I I think you've got me at the right time I think I've been lucky to be able to spend some time back home in Paris and now I'm in Denmark and it's been really nice to have that time juggling it all has been really difficult and the first six months I think were fine And then it got to a point where I was kind of ready to get back to work. And you realize that you can't do everything that you used to. And I used to have a lot more, as I said, free creative space where you're able to develop new ideas. And I feel like when I work, there's a goal at the end of it. I'm not a free spirit where I can just think about ideas for you know, a few days. It's like, I have that block of time. I need to make something happen. But yeah, definitely been challenging. And I really needed the time that I've had for the past few weeks. I'm very, very headstrong. I mean, people have offered help, but I've always been like, I can do it. I can do it. I can work while my daughter naps. And I can do this while my daughter naps. And I've been asked to do things that I should have said no to. And I said yes. And I've overstretched myself and it really got to a point where I was just like I need to see really what I need to prioritize here and um, I love being a mom I love this new chapter of my life but I also have to work Um, so I've had to prioritize some projects some for financial reasons some of the creative projects that I would love to do I've had to put them on hold until I know things are a bit more square but I'll get to them But yeah, it's not, it's not been easy. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah.
0: it's a big change. It definitely takes a lot of adapting. And like you said, it's more about trying to still take care of ourselves as well. Like you said, of not trying not to overstretch ourselves. And Mm. it's that balance of looking after them, but also trying to do some work, but also taking time off for ourselves. And I don't know, it just feels like there's not enough hours in the day. Exactly. Yes. So I'd like to know... If there's things you wish you'd known when you started La basketry that, you know, maybe things you struggled with that in hindsight, you're like, oh, I wish I had known this would happen or, you know, what did you learn along the way?
1: That's a really good question. I feel like one of the things that I really learned is I really learned to be open-minded when running a business. I really learned that you can have a vision of what you think it's going to be be but to kind of always stay open to all the different ways you can grow and develop it I think initially I was just I was just like this is an online boutique this is this we're doing this we're working you know we're doing two collections a year and I think the moment I started to become a bit more flexible with some of the things I was working on um, you know you realize that there's so many possibilities out there. I think 2020 was a big turning point, obviously, being at home and starting to do like, for example, the, the Zoom classes. And then that kind of started the whole DIY kit range that I launched and they became extremely popular and they're still very popular. And But initially, that was never something I thought of. And It was the same for the book. Yes, as I said, I I always loved book. I I always loved reading. I never thought I would write a book about basket weaving a couple of years after. And I think I've always tried to remain open to different avenues and different opportunities. I can grow as a person and as well, the business can grow.
0: Yeah. And you did a pop-up for H&M recently as well, didn't you?
1: Yes, that was one of those projects that I felt like
0: yeah it's too much
1: yeah um but I felt like it was an incredible opportunity to work with H&M Home things have been really tough in retail for a lot of online businesses that basketry including when, when I look at the way the business has been structured and where you know a lot of our income was coming the online shop and retail has always been the top one and in the past year and a half it's really shifted because people are shopping in a different way so to be able to be on the high street because the pop-up was on Regent street to be able to be seen and connect with so many people was really an opportunity I just couldn't say no to and um, it was fantastic it was really great.
0: How do the women feel when you go back to Senegal? They must be so excited. Like, oh, are they we are, doing new yeah. designs? Are we doing what we're we doing? Tamara, you know, yeah. they're probably all over you.
1: I know. It's really fun. And I haven't been back since having Sena. And, and so I'm trying to plan Christmas there. But... It's great. I think one of the, like the really cool moments was like when I had my book translated in French because it was the first language in English so like it's really funny but I think my family like never took me seriously in terms of this business. It was just like yeah this is your little side project and I always remember saying I'm, I'm writing a book and this is a big deal and they were just like yeah and then suddenly everybody seeing the book and then it got translated into French and that was wow this is actually like a thing this (laughs) and then I went on French TV and that specific show that I did was actually shown in Senegal so it's just amazing I mean I still work with the same woman I worked I started with and we have a very special relationship what we do is handmade and it's it's not huge quantities cuz to me i mean it's an art in itself i'm never going to be able to do thousands of the same basket i mean i could but this is completely different to uh, what kind of goes against what i i really believe in to be to be completely honest so it's really great to be able to continue to build that relationship to Um, continue to work on creative projects we have a really cool little project we're working on right now with someone who does crochet dolls that will be out at Christmas that's a bit of an exclusive really excited about and it's really fun to still be able to get creative with them and to yeah continue to build that bond and all of that
0: that sounds really exciting. I was yeah. gonna ask if you found like becoming a mom gave you new ideas, like creatively, being like, "Oh, I could do this for her," and you know.
1: Yeah, I think a little bit, but I don't feel like I'm there yet. Mm. I feel like I need a bit of um, need a bit of a breather and just fully recharge the batteries, and then you know, that's when all the ideas start floating around. I mean, I want more baskets for my home. I don't have time to weave <laughs> so you know I'm just like gosh I need more storage baskets for all the toys and her books and I need something in the bathroom so yeah I think there's going to be more kiddie kid stuff that I want to do and I'm really excited about that little collaboration I'm doing with some crochet
0: dolls and
1: yeah a couple of things I can't really talk about yet.
0: I was gonna ask. I was gonna say, what are your like projects and upcoming things coming? But yeah, it's fine. You can keep it a mystery for now. Yeah. One of my last questions is about you have any wild, wild dreams for the coming years.
1: It's really interesting because I feel like when I started this whole thing, I had big dreams and I still have big dreams but um, (laughs) you know when you talk to you know when you talk to people and more businessy people business mentors etc I had huge dreams and then I realized that what I'm building is something very personal in a way although it's it, it is shared with the world so there's only so much we can do and we can create when it's something that's handmade so I love to say that my dreams are more like down to earth and I don't have wild dreams. You know, I'm I'm very, I'd love to write another book. I'd love to write a really nice coffee table book around crafting and crafts in Africa. That's something that's been at the back of my mind for a while. But I don't have wild dreams. No, I think my dreams are very, you know, down earth I think I want to continue to you know shine light on Senegalese craftsmanship feel very fortunate to have built a lovely community of customers or students or people who've done my workshops they're very loyal and they support me in a lot of different avenues that this creative journey has taken me on so I hope this community continues to grow and yeah
0: that sounds lovely and I was going to say, maybe you can write fiction as well. Come back to your roots. Maybe you'll I write a like little fiction, fiction story for your daughter.
1: Yeah, I'd love to do that. Um, I'd love to do more writing, I think, on a personal or selfish, selfishly it's as well. It's not selfish.
0: Yeah. I think I think we need it. And it was something I was discussing with friends. It's like, we are mums now, but we still need to nourish ourselves and be creative and do what we love, because that's what makes us better mums anyway. I don't think it's selfish. Hmm. um And actually, it's someone, oh, no, I can't remember, but someone was talking about, I think it's Lalise Stamps. Yeah, it is Lalise, the ceramicist that I had on the podcast. Yeah. And she was talking about her mom writing a lot when she was young and actually not doing it as much when she had Lalise and her brother, and how it was such a shame because she was such a good writer and she only came back to it later on in life. I don't think it's selfish. I want you to mm. write. You should write. It's going to make you happy. Yeah, it is
1: 100% make, going to make me happy. So, yeah, who knows? Like, definitely, as I said, I'm open to a lot more opportunities. But actually, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that's been on my mind is that, obviously, being based in the UK, I have spent a lot of time building the brand here and spending some time back home in France that was something that was on my mind and I was just like I would actually really like to do more things here and I think also because France and Senegal have so many connections obviously for people who don't know Senegal being um, you know an ex-French colony and um, the official language in, in Senegal is French. There's so many links. I feel like this would actually, the story of the basketry and Senegalese crafts, etc., cetera, would really resonate with people in France. So um, I think this is probably on the cards in the future to um, maybe uh, develop this little La Basketry en France in the future. <laughs>
0: people yeah. would love it. That's a yeah. great idea. Yeah. it's only across the channel and I, and I think
1: far. you know and the thing is I have all the assets you know everything is everything is there it's ready you know I just have to get a lot of things translated because I don't think my um, writing French is as good as it used to be with all the um, you know the grammar and all of that so mm-hmm. if I was for example to get my kit the instructions translated and all of that I think I would need I would need some
0: help (laughs) out. Get get your parents to work. Say, see, you don't think this was a business? Well, get working.
1: I could get my mom to do that. That's a really (laughs) good idea. Yeah.
0: yeah. There you go. She's not going to like me now. She's going to be why are you giving me more work? (laughs) Well, this was amazing. I'm so excited I got to talk to you and learn more about what you do. It was really inspiring. And it's such Aww. a testament to coming back to your roots. And also, I feel like there's this thing for each artist. Sometimes we get lost and we forget about, you know, our roots and who we are and what we cared about or, you know, what makes us rich and what we need to share with the world. And I think you're doing that so well. And it's Aww, it's lovely. You. Yeah.
1: Oh, thank you. That's really sweet. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. And I feel like, as I said, you know, a lot of things have changed in my life recently. And it's really nice to kind of, look back and reflect on on everything and just again being able to share this story
0: yeah thank you thank you thank you so much for listening i really hope you enjoyed our conversation if you want to know more about mimi then head out to mimiforcreatives.com and make sure to check the show notes for more details about our guest i'll see you soon